Hello, and welcome to the media ministry of Living Word Church in Roberts, Illinois. Today, Pastor Douglas Lee shares truth from the Word of God that will inspire and motivate you. We pray that as you listen to this message, your ears will be open to hear and your heart to receive all that God has for you. Join us now as we journey together through God's Word. Hello. <laughs> Happy New Year. Lesson. Do not let life's trivial in, in monkey shines stand in your way of praising the Lord. You could sit down with that. <laughs> and and I just I just rest in the Lord. I want to look at all your beautiful faces and let you know that you are well loved, well loved by Pastor and me, and I know well loved by our Heavenly Father. He loves this body so much, and this body goes all the way around the world. We are connected with one body and one head, Jesus Christ. We are members of one body throughout this globe, and we have a unique, special part as a single body and as individuals to fit into that body. And this year, the things God's do, God is doing in this world, don't let your eyes be distracted by what the devil is doing. Because this world, we sang, God reigns, God reigns, and we're taking back territory. And the day is coming when the devil will be in the pit of hell and the kingdom of God will be covering the whole earth and the praises will be rising up from everyone on earth. And the devil knows that his time is short. Don't be distracted. The Lord has shown me that this year, unlike and more so than any other, is a year for us to step out of that kingdom of darkness that he's pulled us out of. Don't go back to it, but step out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of his dear son. That is our kingdom. He said, we're no longer of this world. We're in it, but we're not of it. We're of his kingdom. And he said, the kingdom of God is within us. Wow. That means wherever we go, we are taking the kingdom of light. And his kingdom has all authority and all power. God wants you to know that. The kingdom is within us. And it comes out of us through our words, our actions, and our deeds. That's why his prayer that he taught us. Thy kingdom come, Lord, and thy will be done here in my life, here in the lives of each individual, each family represented here, here in Living Word Church, here in Illinois, here in the United States of America, and here on this earth. Let your will be done and your kingdom come. Thank you, Father God. We do give you all the praise. We do take our eyes off of us, off what the devil would try to distract us with. And we put our eyes on you, the grand prize, the corrector of everything that is wrong, Father God. We, we, we refuse to look at problems. We look at you, our problem solver. And we know that all things work together for our good, for those who love you 
for those who love you and are the called according to your purposes. Father, we are the called. We declare it and we decree it. Decree it. And this year is the year of your kingdom come and your will be done. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Well, this is a season of prayer and a season of vision. I just wanted, uh, that, that was spontaneous. I just asked her a minute ago. So just to, to, to get to share with you a little something from her heart. Um, as we enter into this time of year, we're really not praying for God to reveal to the church his vision. That's inside of me. We're praying for how we each fit into what God has revealed for us to do as a church. And I like to pray about that before pastor says too much about it. I like for each person that attends here to approach the Lord and seek his face because it's his desire. It's his vision for our lives. This is his church. So we ask him, how do we fit? What are we to do in this season? You know, I watch people as they live out their life in fellowship with the Lord and our lives are perpetually changing and what the demands are on us, what we have to do to be responsible, but the kingdom of God on the inside has been forever settled in heaven. God knew from the foundation of time what, what reason he put you here. He knew why he gave you the life that he gave you and that you're living right now on our calendar. In 2020, you're here. He knows that uh, when you will interact with him, your life will intersect with his will as it is in heaven. It's founded there. So today, when we're talking about vision, I want to share with you from the scripture five, five vision keys that I see, five things that, that uh, add up to God's vision for us. Jesus taught that the house built on the rock, and he was talking about the rock of revelation of what God's vision is. If our house is built on that rock, It'll never fall. The greatest stability we're going to have in our life has to do with what is the thing God wants from me right now in my life. That is an anchor spot. That is the building place, the foundation place that our life is supposed to revolve around. So much of teaching today focuses on what we can get from God because of what Jesus did for us. But we should shift our focus on what we should do for him because we love him. See, when we begin to focus our, our heart on why he put us here, he says that he will already has met all of our needs and we're going to see them fulfilled. He gives us the desires of our heart because we set our heart on him. So I want to bring what will help uh, uh, restore peace to your life, what will give you a sense of fulfillment, and, and above all of that, what will see a reward in heaven. This life is about one thing fundamentally, and that's coming back to Jesus, being restored to the family so that when we are forever in heaven with our Heavenly Father, we are rewarded for a life lived for Him instead of just getting in by the skin of our teeth because we lived our life for us. That's the difference, and that may not seem important now, but the older you get, the more you'll be thinking about that. Why, I've been young, and I'm getting older. And I, the older I get, the more I think about that. Why, uh, the people around me are getting older too. 
I, I tend to fellowship with uh, folks primarily that are ahead of me in, in age. And I listen to what's on their heart and what people want to talk about more and more as the, the years go by, if they're a Christian, is what will heaven be like? What can I expect? Uh, am I really ready? How will I be received? You, you want to think about those things. God raises up local churches so the church can provide to you the ability to zero in on God's vision for your life through the opportunities of ministry that are provided at the local church. That's why there's a local church. It isn't that, that God needed us. He created the church for us so that we could fulfill our life in him. That coming together, there'd be a unity, there would be a cooperation, there would be opportunity to do things we wouldn't have on our own. Those of you teaching, particularly teaching Sunday school, if there's nobody to teach, you really don't have the opportunity to be a teacher. Why would God give us teachers if there's nobody to teach? So the church is a place to come to fulfill somebody's ministry, whether you're teaching or you're learning. So you see, when there's a teacher, there are learners. When there is a, a Lord Jesus, there are disciples. And we make choices to determine how we're going to be known for all eternity. I call that vision, vision season. The one thing that matters most is the thing God wants to reveal to you next. That is your most important thing. And until you get that, you won't get what's beyond that. Revelation, spiritually, what God tells us is progressive. When we get uh, saved, it was a seed that caused us to want to choose to be saved. And we're saved from the works of the enemy. We're saved from an eternity in hell, but we're saved to a life everlasting and a life more abundant while we're here. We're saved to that life by hearing the word and then choosing to believe it and act on it. When we believe something is true for us, we tend to shift our focus in that direction and we begin to both passively and aggressively pursue it. We begin to make decisions to support uh, what it is we're pursuing. So I'll call this, uh, I, oh, 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 watch caught the mic. I didn't know that could happen, but it did. Call this discerning your vision keys because I can't give them to you. I, I, I know bits and pieces when I'm around people and I hear them talk. Uh, what people say will give away sometimes bits of God's vision for their life. And I enjoy hearing those things, and sometimes I'll point right at it when it's said and say, God really put that in your heart, didn't he? Because I like to encourage conversation when somebody begins to speak about those things. Many times people say, well, pastor, there's something you know, just tell me. I, I don't do the Holy Spirit's job. The Holy Spirit wants to be the one to tell why it's, it's his heart. And he has a way of telling you that you never forget. Now, uh, we'll identify some of these things. I want to begin in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, because this is to help you fulfill the plan of God for your life. So when you get to heaven, you, you can't say to the Lord Jesus, I never knew there was a plan for me. You know, as of this moment, there is. And it's a plan authored from the foundation of time before you had ever met you. He knew you. That's what the scripture says. It is written, I has not seen and ear has not heard. It has not even entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God. In other words, it just doesn't come into our mind one day. 
For these things are foolishness to the natural mind. Neither can we know them because they are spiritually discerned. Well, if we can't know them, how do we come to know them? How do we discern them? We discern them because the Holy Spirit begins to deal with our heart like a compass to point us into what is the plan of God for what's next. So many times because of the demands on any person living in this life, our prayers mostly focus on what we need to have happen for everything to work out right. When God's heart is that we pray for what's in his heart and choose to commit to that one thing, whatever it is that he wants from us, and and he calls that thing the kingdom of God in us, What is that one thing he wants to bring out through our life in this season that causes blessing to come on all the rest? God's will is always what's on his mind first. And his will is how we are best fulfilled in this life. I know that many people look for education and a career to find their place of fulfillment. You will leave all of that behind, and that's an intellectual pursuit. We have to do that to exist in this world. We have to have a a way to receive an income. We have to have a valuable service that we provide. We have to be able to do something. But when we go to heaven, that won't count for anything. All of our prayers for promotion, all of our prayers for the raise, all of our desire to, to gain more information in that arena won't count when we get to heaven. What God will look at is what was written in the book about you from the foundation of time. You're going to get a white stone, it says in Revelation, with your new name on it. Most people will have never known what their new name was because it speaks of our eternal designation. What were we created for? It it speaks what, what we were in the heart of God to begin with. We're to discover much of that, if not all of that, while we're here. Not be surprised when we get there that we have a new name. We should get there and go, oh, that's what you call me. I kind of knew that. I maybe didn't know how to put it into a word, but I kind of knew you were doing that in my life. I began to experience that. And instead of feeling like we're an alien coming into a new environment, we feel like we've come home and we're in the family. And the Heavenly Father just told us a bit of his DNA that marked us forever to be like him. That's what we're to experience. But it doesn't come because we discern it with our eyes and ears or our natural senses. It comes because the Holy Spirit reveals it. And revelation always comes for the same reason. When it comes from God, it's because we're hungry and thirsty enough to go get it. We have to desire that. So when we we come together to hear God's word, you can come to church not very hungry. I'll tell you, you won't get very much because it's a hunger and thirst that happens on the inside. Sometimes it happens because we have a sense of urgency or emptiness or we just have a sense of desire. Sometimes we we know God well enough that we just know I need to be hungry. I'm going to stir myself up to be hungry this morning and go get what God has for me. Because spiritual hunger is a thirst and a hunger that comes because we desire, because we choose, rather than because we fall into need. Many people, when they fall into natural need, try to stir up spiritual desire. Your spiritual desire is best met by choice every day of saying, I need what's good for me. 
I need the bread of life today. I'm going to go get it because there's something in that piece of bread for me today that's going to sustain my life and going to build up strength where I'm not caught off guard and I'm not weak. Scripture talks about building our house on a rock. The rock is a revelation of what God has in your life for what's next, how you're connected to him, what it is that he created you to be or to do. I know many people say, well, that's just for the preachers or the people that have this special visitation from God. This is the hour of your visitation. This is the Lord telling you he's got something for you if you want what he has badly enough. We decide what our appetites will be given to in this life with our physical physical energies and what we desire in, in, in way of spouse and family, what we desire in a way of the kind of foods we want to eat and the effect it has on us. We choose spiritually what it is we want to take in and what we choose to take in ha- will, will reveal what the outcome can be. If we're never hungry and thirsty for what God has for us, we'll never live the life he meant for that to empower If we don't eat the spiritual food he has, we will not become the energized person walking in a newer and abundant life. We will always be praying, God, meet my needs. God, help me in what's next. God, help me in this decision. God, help me. And there's nothing wrong with asking for that. But when that's all we do, it tells us we're centered on natural life and we're missing out on our spiritual life. Now, I want to share some things from the word, particularly that that Jesus taught to to back this up because pastor doesn't get up and try to motivate you by what I think you need to hear to do what I think needs to be done. I try to motivate you by what God's word says and you choose. So today you'll choose to eat it because you decided to be hungry for what's prepared or you'll decide to take that dish and go, I don't like my spinach and I'm going to pass it down the row. Don't throw it in garbage. At least give it to somebody. And I wouldn't say this is spinach. I would say this is the meat of God's heart for you for this year. It's to understand this principle. We're giving at least six weeks to understanding how God gives us vision for what's next. He doesn't give us vision for what's next depending on what's past. He looks to what's next. He redeems the time in our life. He moves us into what's for right now even if we missed what was last. This is the value of of being alive in God spiritually. He will not penalize us for what we missed in the last chapter of the book. He just asks us to start reading now and move in the direction he declares. Why, we're to be one with him. He will forgive us for missing it in the past, but he wants us to be alert to the future. Why? We'll We'll never get it right by regretting what we've missed out on. We'll get it right by believing God for what's straight ahead of us and focusing on that. If you've ever been in a situation that's caused you to lose hope or lose your way spiritually, you understand what I just said. Looking back is not going to help you fix what's wrong, but looking forward will. The Holy Spirit is a spirit that shows you things to come. He does not remind you of failures of the past. So look forward today into this year and say, you know what, this year I am determined to be spiritually hungry and thirsty. 
Where does that come? It will come first by giving yourself to prayer. That's one reason we're, we're creating a, a space to have time to pray as leaders and come together because it's the primary way where spiritual appetites are, are grown and, and uh, come to light and where God can begin to speak to us. Well, God's plan is dependent on one thing, and that's revelation knowledge. That means knowledge that God reveals to you about you. Not knowledge he reveals to somebody else about you. That might inspire you. That might motivate you. But revelation knowledge causes you to believe God and take action on what he told you. It's something you can hang on to no matter what. And I'll, I'll define that a little bit more in a minute. This is from Matthew 16, beginning in verse 15. Jesus was speaking and he said unto them, Who do you say that I am? And he was talking particularly uh, to his disciples. And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, or you are the anointed one of God, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said unto him, Blessed are you, Simon, for flesh and blood is not revealed it unto you. In other words, your brain didn't figure this out and nobody had to tell you. He said, But my Father, which is in heaven, revealed it to you. This is an example of what I'm talking about, revelation knowledge, of having something that you know God dropped into your heart. That no matter what anybody tells you or what you experience next, you go, I know what he's told me to do. I know what he's put in my heart. I know this is important in my life. Now, and I say unto you, Jesus said to him, you are Peter. And upon this rock, what's the rock? The rock is receiving revelation. The rock is receiving understanding of who Jesus is and what he wants. So he said, upon this rock, I will build my church. I'm going to give you a bit of revelation from this revelation. God can't do what he wants to do here in Living Word Church without you hearing your bit of what it is here to do. There's a revelation pastor can't get for you. I wish I could. How many times people have asked for that? And thought, if only I could just do that, that'd be terrific. I mean, I just, you'd just sit around all day and tell people what God said. But you know, he gave us all the Holy Spirit. Why? He wants that personal connect. He doesn't want everybody else to know your business. Why? They might mind your business too much. They might get on your case too much. Why? He's a God of grace and mercy. But he's a God that gives us grace and mercy because we choose truth. To go in the direction of truth. He then said in verse 19, Jesus still speaking here. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. When we see... People falling away from the Lord understand what it's about. Somebody missed their revelation. And it isn't just the person that fell away, it's people around them that fell away. See, when we have a revelation of what God wants for us living in the moment, we'll be a part of the dynamic church, we'll be a part of what it is that increases life. There's something in you that will increase the life of the local church. There's something in you that will cause people be, to be drawn to Jesus if you'll give to it. I'll tell you a secret. It's not how good the preacher is. That's a tiny bit. That's my, my, my part is to be lined up with what God has to say. But it's the whole church choosing to find out what's the revelation God has for me for now. What is it now? He said he will build his church. Who's building it? Jesus will build it through who? People that get a hold of a bit of rock. 
people that become the living stones. People that choose to not just anchor in Jesus, but say, Jesus, make me like you. See, when we begin to seek his face, we become more like him. And we become determined and resolute. It won't take us to a cross. He did that for us. But it'll take us to an understanding of that cross. That I have to die to something to live for him. That I have to give him a bit of my capacity. That I have to invest my talents and abilities in the kingdom rather than just in making my own way. No. He says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Why? Because uh, the living stones rise up. The people that are called according to his purpose rise up in revelation. That doesn't mean you just get real busy and do stuff for the Lord. We all have some things that are just uh, believers ministry and work and calling and encouraging people and praying for others and doing things that are pleasing to the Lord. But there is a bit of revelation in you. That's why he put you here. I doubt if you're a Sunday school teacher that that's the only reason. Well, I've discovered in my life that when I think I know the reason, I come into a new season and there's another reason. There's something more. And if I'm not paying attention, I'll live on the joy and memories of the past season and just keep going that way. And pretty soon everybody around me gets bored with me being in my old season because I'm supposed to be in the new season. See, we, I, I see people all the time. I hear people when I'm out in public wanting to reinvent themselves about every year. I'm just going to, well, you know, good luck with that. There's an element of truth in that. There's a little bit of God in that, honestly. But he wants us to reinvent after him rather than after ourselves. Then he says in verse 19, and I like this, and I, I started speaking this, saying this over my life when I was a teenager. And I've learned about the keys, so I, I can share it with you, and I will. Jesus said, and I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Well, that, that, that set of keys I want right there. They're in the earth, and he's telling them this. He didn't tell them to frustrate them while they're here. He told them so they could get a hold of this while they're here. He told them so that they could access heaven whenever they wanted to because they had the keys. Now, we know Jesus is the door, spiritually speaking. Why would we need keys to go to that door? Say, Jesus, this is what's in my heart. You put it in my heart. And then watch the door swing open. And when Jesus opens his heart to you, the doors that, that no man can close open to you. And, and things begin to change. It can't change any other way. That's your heritage as child of God. And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. In other words, you can cause heaven to be working on your behalf because you're connected to heaven. See, we need to work these keys if we want our prayer life to work. We need to understand that all of our prayers are tied into why did God put me here? See, ultimately, he's already met our needs according to his riches and glory because there's something he has for us to do while we're here. So he made all the resources available if we would believe that. And if we would believe that and begin to pray, he would begin to arrange our life decisions in a way that it, it honors him. Here, here, here's your checklist. If it honors Jesus, it's going to move you into his perfect will. 
If it honors you first, it's going to keep you out of his perfect will. Why, his, his, his perfect will has a set of five keys. Now we'll look at them. Whatever is uh, loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. Why, this is a, a, a piece of revelation that is like an anchor to your life in a storm. Uh, i give you some examples, I guess some simple examples, the most recent example. I, for all my life since I was 17, knew that I would go into foreign countries. I knew that they would be Spanish-speaking countries. I knew that God would do certain things. Certain things uh, affect me. Um, when I talk about things being spiritually discerned, I want to go back and talk about that a minute. This is what This is an illustration. When you are spiritually discerning God's design on your life, certain things will move you in a way you cannot explain. Reinhard Bonnke passed away recently. He was an international evangelist, incredibly effective. And uh, I've watched his memorial service now three times. And I'm affected the same way every time. I I am immediately brought to tears (laughs) because I see... This this man in various stages of his life before crowds of people, one crowd in the millions, they don't know how many million were there, but you see lights clear off into the horizon with a mass of people. That moves me to tears because people are making a decision to come into the kingdom of God. Why does that move me? I mean, I can just be sitting there having a conversation and if something like that goes on, I start crying. And Well, what's the matter with you? I, I can't explain it. I'm just so moved by that. That is me beginning to discern something about the will of God in my life. When I'm uh, in a place and I see somebody being bullied, I am moved with compassion and also, uh, uh, I call it a holy anger. I want to take the bully and string him up. (laughs) And uh, uh, I'd like him to feel like what he just caused that person to feel like. Then I step back and don't do that, but I, I uh, feel moved to do something about that. Well, I've had that since I was a little bitty kid. What is that? That's, that's the nature of God, knowing we're bullied by the enemy and somebody needs to do something about it. That's the plight of man without God, you see. When I uh, went to Guatemala this time, every time I've gone, I've gotten physically very ill with fever. Every time. So sometimes when you, you're stepping into something that you've discerned as part of the plan of God for your life, you can expect the enemy will come against you. Somehow he'll, he'll try to stop you. But nonetheless, uh, another passion I have is seeing people well acquainted with the person of the Holy Spirit. Another passion I have that I've learned to give to is seeing the Holy Spirit move to minister to individuals. In masses and individuals, both. Many years ago when I was in, in Bible school, there was a woman named, named Jean Wilkerson who did meetings, and I, I became very interested in her relationship with the Lord and her ministry, and I began to follow closely what she was doing because she would stand in, in, in a crowd of thousands, and the Holy Spirit would speak to her for the whole group, and she would minister that, but he would also speak for individuals that had the boldness to come up and, and ask for prayer. That put in my heart, a, there was always a, a desire and a moving. God, how cool it would be to do that. How amazing that would be. And you say in the scriptures that I can covet earnestly the best gifts. 
that must be one of the best ones. I, I, I think it must be. I, I believe I'm going to covet earnestly that gift. Now, I don't know how to do that, but you're going to show me how to do that. How do I covet earnestly that gift? And he began to speak to me things to do and things to study. You say, God speaks to you? Yes, he's supposed to. We're supposed to know his voice. We don't know his voice. It's evidence we're not really his child. So uh, I work on knowing his voice. And today people make fun of that, and that you're, you're a person that hears from heaven. We're supposed to as believers. It's proof that we're in the family. It's proof that he's our shepherd. It's proof that we, we're, we're part of the family. I, I love that assurance. But there have been a number of inputs in my life where things move me. I would be in, in her meetings and she would say at the end, now we're just here if you desire anything from the Lord. And I think, well, who doesn't desire something from the Lord? <laughs> and I'd see people get up and tra traipse off and go off and think, what's wrong with them? They could get something from the Lord. And I'd just wait, wait. And she'd say, is there something I can help you with? And I'd hop up and say, yes, ma'am, just pray for me. He says, is that all? I said, yes, ma'am. Well, I was just trusting the Holy Spirit would would move on her life. It's amazing the things that came out in those conversations. Why? God put her in my life so that I would covet earnestly something. Why? I, I was moved by that. I was moved not just in how it affected my life personally, but how it would affect other people's lives. You will have things happen that move you in, in a way that you cannot describe or put into words you just know you're to be a part of that when you begin to give yourself to that you will begin to discern more and more the will of God the way we are led by the Holy Spirit of God is to listen to the thing he wants us to do next and he will help our life line up to do more for him so many times we we don't do for him first and we expect him to bless all the rest we've got to give him something We've got to give him first place is what the scripture says. Now, these are, these are five keys. This is from Romans chapter 8. I'm going to begin in uh, verse 28 because this is, a, this is a verse people most like in, the, in Romans 8. But there's a, a verse attached to it, verse 29, that talks about who gets the goods. And we know that all things work together for good. This is Romans 8, 28 to them that love God and who are called according to his purpose. Well, that sounds wonderful, and it is wonderful so long as we know what it, his purpose is and that we yield as one called to it. We can know it, never give to it. We're not going to have everything work to our good if we know what it is and don't ever give to it. Things working out for us come because we're yielding to what he wants. So you see, our vision in what God wants for what's next is the most important thing to sorting the rest of life out. It's not going to sort out by itself. I heard somebody say on a treadmill a couple weeks ago uh, regarding the first of the year, well, if life gets shook up enough, it'll fall into place. Oh, boy, are you stupid. <laughs> my life gets shook up enough, I, my head pops off. You know, I'm like, what in the world's going to happen next? Uh, I, I sure don't want that philosophy. But it made me stop and think, what, what, what do people need to hear? Well, where, where does order come from? If God's a God of order and he doesn't like chaos, how do we tap into that? We, we find out first his purpose and he starts working things out when we yield to his purpose. Now, to them who are called according to his purpose, verse 29, these, these are things that happened 
in heaven before you knew about you. For whom he did foreknow. That's one of the keys. God knew you before you knew about you. That's one of the keys in heaven. God is holding that key, but he's given you access to everything that key will open. He's saying, I knew you and I know what I've got behind door number Jesus for you. That's what it is. It's seeking him and seeing what's behind there. Why? Uh, that's in heaven. His foreknowledge is in heaven. He reveals it to us when we come to Jesus. When people say, Pastor, how did you know that? He has foreknowledge of everything about any one of us and he can release any part of it anytime he wants to. And sometimes he does tell us about somebody else. Now, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. People get uncomfortable with that word, predestinate. That means God had a plan for you to fulfill your life in a way that would honor him, that he created you to do, that is the most important thing on God's heart while you are here. See, when we begin to think about that, gosh, everything else is smaller. Everything else is like, gosh, I put so much time into my work, so much time in preparing, so much time in getting the kids dressed and cooking dinner. And he knows all that. He didn't make it so hard for us to discover. He just wants us to be hungry enough to find out what it is he created us to be for the kingdom of God. What it is he wanted us to do next. So many times people get focused on wanting to know what's the end goal for God in my life. Good luck with finding that out up front. He predestinated us to accomplish something for him, but he gives revelation by degree. Scripture indicates a progressive revelation. When we hear and act on one thing, he gives us something else. Why? Because we were obedient. We showed ourselves to be willing and then obedient, like Isaiah says in the Old Testament. Then we get to eat the good of the land regarding that. That's the way spiritual things work. He predestinated us to be conformed to the image of his son, the image Jesus has in mind. Jesus has a picture of you that is fulfilling to him and it's fulfilling to you. He has a name for you that identifies you here and there. So, Pastor, how, this is just what the scripture says. Now, that Jesus might be the firstborn among many brethren. In other words, our life is to look enough like Jesus's that people see we're his brother. Particularly, we see we're his brother, sister. That we see we're part of the family. So two keys, God already foresaw you and he foresaw you to fulfill it. Understand this, he didn't foresee that you would and he foresees that you will. That's why he's named you that. That's why his will is forever settled in heaven. His word is forever settled in heaven. His promises are true. It says yes and amen, that means they're established. It means as far as he's concerned, you're here to do that. You're here to be that. And your reward for all eternity is attached to that. Well, instead of getting upset about the, the end result of that, I look at what's next in that. It's all right, based on what I know right now, God, let your grace and mercy work in my life to help me be that for you. Now, why is that important? Well, I, I said already, the, the church 
His house that's to be built on the rock depends on you doing your part in that. So rather than pastor just getting up and sharing, well, here's the vision God's put in my heart. I like for him to put something in your heart first. Then when I share, you go, oh, there's where I fit. There's where I fit. And many of you will fit more than one place. Now, uh, remember, there will be some things happen to you in your, your journey this year to try to distract you. Sickness came at me in Guatemala. Challenges came at me a little bit. But you know what? I, I'm an old hand at this. I've learned there will always be challenges. I've learned to stand up in the middle of the challenge and do it anyway. But I got to see groups of people receiving Jesus and being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I also got to minister to a lot of people one-on-one. And I, I have this thing I do. I was talking to somebody in, in church about this this week, one of our leaders. I said, you know, when, when you... When you have a sport you really enjoy, there's a moment when you're playing that sport or doing that sport that you just feel like this, I don't know, I call it a glorious moment. I don't know how else to describe it, but you just, you feel really, really good. You're really, really excited. For me, in this stage of life, my winter sport is downhill skiing, and I enjoy that a lot. But when I'm really feeling it, there's something I do. I get off the lift, I go to the crest of the hill, I look down and I just throw my poles out like this and I take off. I lunge forward and take off like I'm going to take off flying. I don't know why I do that. I just know this, it feels really good. Why? It's, a, I don't, it's an expression of, to me, it's, it, it, it's kind of like what it feels like spiritually to obey God. In Guatemala with a fever, I had that sense. There's something you're going to relate to like that this year. That you'll look back and say, this is kind of like when I enjoy doing this or when I feel fulfilled in this or I have a moment that's just a glorious, exciting moment. You're going to experience that in God and let it be a marker to you of his plan for your life. Let it be a moment of discernment. Scripture says it's spiritually discerned. I want you to understand you're spiritually discerning. If Jesus lives in you, it's his spirit discerning. Say, here we go. Here it is. Here's something. Here's a piece. Do some more of this. And you, you feel compelled to do more of that. I don't know. After a really good day on the slopes that night when I sleep, my body's really worked hard. I will dream that moment. I don't know, 25 times. Say, really, why? there's something about that. What does it do? It, it's energizing. Though the work of God will require something of you, it'll energize you on the inside. You'll feel a motivation that you can't explain. You'll feel a joy that you can't quite put into words. You might have an expression. Everybody else will say, what the heck is that? Because <laughs> I don't see anybody else do that. But I don't care why. It just feels first really good to let the wind hit my face and take off flying. Now, what does it have to do with anything? That's how it feels. That's how it feels to obey God in what's next in you. A fulfillment comes. Now, there are three keys that are in God's plan that originate in your response to him while you're here. The first two are done. He's always known you and he predestined what you're all about in the kingdom of God. That's a done deal. The other things were released by Christ Jesus living in the earth and giving his life for us. The other three keys are what we do to access the more abundant life. 
And we keep accessing them in our fellowship with the Lord Jesus, but coming back to that door and saying, what's next? What's next? What will bless you? What will please you? You're my master. And uh, what happens is every time we come to the door to ask what's next, his love floods us, his joy floods us, and we have one of those moments. We have one of those, I, I know I just blessed the Lord moments. I know that I just gave him glory in my life moments. Now, in verse 30, moreover, whom he did predestinate, whom he did predestinate them, he also called. God's in the process of making his calling known. If we're not asking, we won't hear it. See, if you're predestinated, it means you were predestined by him to be chosen. He chose you before you chose him. He chose to save you before you chose to accept it. He predestined you to be called. That means he's waiting on you to say, here I am, Lord. What is it you want from me? Who, who am I supposed to be for you? What would please you? And when we begin to ask that, we, we enter into his perfect will or divine will. He also called them. Uh, uh, th this is the, the bit of revelation that your house will be built on in this phase. What's he called you to be? See, when you come to church just to hear the word or just to come or just it's Sunday, I've got to go. That's not a calling. That's living without a calling and you'll wear out doing that. I don't have enough inspiration in me to keep you in church all the time. It's not my job. My job is to point you toward revelation so the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you. And you go, oh, that's me. That's where I fit. But I'm not responsible to make you fit. You're responsible to find the fit. I'm kind of glad of that. I used to kind of get panicky about that and think, dear Lord Jesus, I don't know what everybody's supposed to do all the time. Well, I'm not supposed to know that. It's not my place to know that. I'm better off to not know that, honestly. Why? Some people come up with some wonderful surprises. Why? I believe God put this in my heart, Pastor. What do you think? Well, what's it look like? How do we do it? You know, I'm going to ask you questions now. Uh, but it, it's a key revelation. He said he, he called us. Then I, I love these next couple words. Those he called, he also justified. What does it mean he justified us? It means he picked us not because of our qualifications, but because he would work through us. He picked us not because of our talent and ability, but because we would learn to understand the grace of God. He called us to be something that we couldn't be without him. That's how he justifies us. He asked us to do something we really couldn't do on our own. He asked us to, to do something that begins to define us to be more like him. To be justified means that, that we tap into his grace and I, I'm learning in my life and all the things going on right now being pulled a lot of different directions by a lot of different needs and situations. Uh, I look at one, one fact and I think, boy, I've got to be on cue with bringing the word to the church. I take that seriously. The scripture says we're to honor our parents in the Lord for this is right. We live long in the earth if we do it right. Well, we got three of them alive and we're working to do it right. And I tell you, it's working. It's working. Everyone likes something different. Everyone needs something different. And it's a good thing. It's a good different. But nonetheless, it pulls life in several directions. We have kids and a grandchild. That little grandchild that ought not quite, she's two and a half. She knows how to create a pull on grandpa already. 
Why? So what do I want? I just want to drop whatever I'm doing in the moment and, and respond to the pull. What, is that a bad? No, it's a good thing. But if I'm not careful, I get all upset about all the demands in my life instead of understanding the key thing. Jesus justified me. It's him living through me that gives me the ability to do the best I can to meet these needs and demands to take care of business. If you're working a job and the job's really demanding, he justified you. He knows the job is really demanding and he has the grace to help you be what he called you to be anyway. If you're working for another man and you think I'm working for a tyrannical boss, pastor, if you only knew, I've been there and done that. God gives you the grace to work there. That's why you're working there. Probably the pay is good and you can put up with tyrannical because you have a great work ethic and you know what to do. And you're diligent. God gave you the grace to be diligent enough to succeed there. Certainly he gave you the grace to be exactly what he wants you to be in the rest of his plan. And we begin to say, God, what is that? And if there's a transition involved to get into the perfect will of God, he helps us in the transition. Been there and done that a few times too. Coming here was a transition like that, back into his desire of what most he wanted me to be. It wasn't first business, though I was very good at it. That wasn't it. His first was do what I'm doing right now and then some. So I'm saying, Lord, I'm doing what I'm doing now. I'm doing these things that require grace and require patience and think I'm doing okay. You've raised up people to help me. You've given me a good wife that knows how to support me running around like a chicken with my head cut off sometimes. Well, she, she sticks my head back on. <laughs> Let's talk about this a minute. Let's make sure we got this straight. There's two of us here. Let's work this out together. Your, your spouse does that for you too. Don't think that it's, it's a, a man thing that you lose your head. No, everybody loses their head. See, but the Holy Spirit will step in there and he'll say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's keep the main thing, the main thing. And understand that's what I'm talking about when I talk about vision from the Lord. It's your main thing. And if we're not careful, and this is, this is from a heart of compassion and understanding because been there and done that. It's real easy to lose track of the main thing by all of the things that are screaming at you for attention. Remember, God's voice is a still small voice. He's waiting to see if we're hungry and thirsty and we ask and make inquiry of him. Then he answers us. But he says those who he, who he glorified or who he justified, them he also glorified. That means there's one of these moments coming for you. Well, you throw the poles back and you lunge forward and you know I'm, I'm committed to this thing and I'm going to feel my spiritual adrenaline rise. I'm going to feel my spiritual joy rise up. I'm going to have a moment where it, it, it's close to being in heaven kind of a moment of God, you made me for this. If you've never experienced that, I want to pray for you today this be the year you experience that. I know when people struggle in walking with the Lord, they struggle being in church, they struggle staying in fellowship. There's one real reason. They've never gotten to a glorified moment yet. And what I mean by a glorified moment is that moment where we know this was God. This is me serving God. And I've just been affirmed in a way I can't describe. I've just been blessed in a way that I, I know this counted for all eternity. I know that heaven is excited about this. 
when you experience that once, it whets your appetite for more. Understand spiritual hunger and thirst. When you struggle with it, you've not yet experienced it. When you tap into spiritual hunger and thirst, it leaves a taste with you and you want more. He said, taste and see that the Lord is good. And what comes after that is a renewal of that appetite. I know what I need. I need more of him. I need more of the bread of life. I need more than a trickle of living water. I need a river. I need my renewable resources. I need to come to the door and get what I need. And as he opens the door and gives me what I need, I'll be able to perceive what's next. Understand that that's where vision comes from. We come to Jesus, hungry and thirsty. He swings open the door, and the door, door represents seeing into eternity, seeing into our future, seeing what matters, seeing what rewards will be. There's two judgment seats coming. One is for the unbeliever. I want you to understand this. If you're a believer, you've accepted Jesus, you're going to go to the good seat called the Bema seat. That's the place where crowns and rewards are given, titles are, are, are given to people, an understanding of who we were made to be, our, our, our new name comes from that place. Then there's the great white throne judgment for those that refuse to accept Jesus. And they're judged for a lack of having a savior. If you uh, approach the Bema seat, you're in. You're going to heaven. But well done, good and faithful is what we want to hear there. Not just the words, enter in. Here's your ticket. Better to hear well done. So this year, as we share vision, my heart is for you to just begin to talk to the Lord about that. Because what we can do next, what we can do for the Lord is contingent on what he puts in everybody's heart. I don't like to get up and say, here's what we're going to do and then have to run around and try to collect a group of people to do it. That's miserable. That's not God's plan. Why? He won't put in my heart what he doesn't put in people to do. So I like you to get it in your heart and then I share what's in mine and we go, we're in business. We can do something for the kingdom. Understand this. You're in a different place in your life than the, than the person beside you or the person in the row behind you. You might be in the same place in life as your spouse if you're sitting by your spouse. But God has what's next for you in this season. I'm going to pray this morning when we open the altar. For those that have a sense of renewal this morning, you, you, you will have had the Holy Spirit speak to you that you need to get in line with his will so that the chaos begins to diminish. In some cases, that's what the chaos is about. I say always when the enemy gets in, he's about chaos. Jesus is always about calming that storm, fixing it. He'll fix it when we yield our heart to him. Today's altar will be about that. It'll be about praying for an increase of revelation knowledge in your life if you're hungry and thirsty enough. I remember be, being an 11-year-old boy and learning that God wanted to speak to me, and I decided I'm going to have that before I die no matter what else happens to me. And I've enjoyed that since about 13. So I encourage you to just to choose to receive from the Lord what he wants to give you. Revelation knowledge for you. Revelation knowledge in, in how to work with you so that you recognize you're justified and the grace of God is great enough for you still to do what he's asking you to do. Still to accomplish what he wants you to accomplish that brings about reward. But he's also going to not stop there. He's going to glorify your life.
What does that mean? There's going to be more of God in you. There's going to be more of a showing of God in your life. There's going to be more of a joy about you. I don't know if you've ever had to manufacture joy when you're in the presence of other Christians that are filled with joy and they've just had their euphoric moment and you've not for a while and you have to manufacture your response, you smile and you're with it in God too and you think, oh, he feels like such an idiot because they're really with it today and I'm not. Everybody has a moment where they've been not. This is about choosing to line up with, I am going to have that moment. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your people in this house today. Father, we're a family that loves you. Father, I don't know a person that serves you that doesn't desire to do a good job of that. Father, we're here because we consecrate the head of the year to you. In our calendar year, we give our lives back to you again. We renew our vow to you again. Lord Jesus, we didn't just get saved to be saved from hell. We got saved into a life eternal, a life more abundant. And you want to reveal what that is. Heavenly Father, I ask that you reveal Jesus in who he is to each person. Father, as we hunger and thirst for you, we're going to draw near to you by saying, Jesus, I'm coming to you asking for your help. Open my eyes to what I need to see in my spirit. Teach me on the inside how to respond, to discern to what it is you're saying, and respond to it. Heavenly Father, teach us to not ignore those moving feelings. When we see the people of God doing something, we think, I need to be a part of that. Or we hear about a piece of vision and think, I fit into that. Something compels me to do that. We'll follow that inward witness. And following your inward witness will lead to hearing your voice more clearly than we ever thought we could. Father, I thank you that we'll live and move and have our being in you this year. We'll be immersed in your plan and your will, and it'll bring about blessing. Father, I thank you that you're opening our ears where, where they've been tickling, Father, to hear something from you. We're asking that you open up our spiritual ears that we hear your voice. Father, if our ears are tickling, we're going to begin to cry out to you in prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I want to know what it is you put me here to do for you. How can I serve you? How can I bless you? And Father, when we serve you that way, you turn around and serve us. Now, Lord Jesus, I thank you for making your word real in our hearts and real in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that today you were challenged to move closer to God and encouraged with the depth of His love for you. If you would like to know more or hear additional messages, please call us at 217-395-2231. You can also write to us at Living Word Church, P.O. Box 158, Roberts, Illinois, 60962. Or visit our website at go to lwc.org. And as always, we would love to have you join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and give you peace.